Matt Dwyer here, and I want to thank you for listening to my podcast. If you wish to become a bigger part of the world of Conversations with Dwyer, go to themattdwyer.com slash shop and purchase a T-shirt or a phone case with the Conversations with Dwyer logo right on it. It's that little head, round head thingy uh, that was created by Charlene Yee. That'll help support the podcast and spread the word. Also, you could become a Patreon subscriber. You could also find that link at themattdwyer.com. For $5 a month, you get extended interviews, video versions of the interviews, you get bonus episodes, all kinds of extra content, sometimes blogs. And there's different tiers, but the $5 one definitely is, I think, affordable for everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Please support the podcast. And now let's listen to this episode of Conversations with Dwyer. Welcome to Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast. And uh, speaking of music, that song that played me in is called Green Rocky Road. It is on the EP Country Covers Volume 1, which comes out September 24th on Sub Pop. It is by Bria. And my guest today is Bria Selmina. She's also in The Frigs, and she backs up Orville Peck, and it's a great episode. We laughed a lot. If you're a first-time listener, you can go to the mattdwyer.com slash episodes, and you can peruse my past guests. I've had a lot of them. Uh, so, And if you're an old-time listener, welcome back. Please tell some friends about the show. Thank you for listening. It means a lot to me. Uh, in the show notes are all things Bria, and you could go uh, buy the album, support it, don't be a dick, and stream it. Don't be a dick and stream music. That should be a T-shirt. Where's my fan art? <laughs> anyway uh, please support and also in the show notes is all the links to me you could buy t-shirts you could become a Patreon subscriber um, you could watch the video I think of us talking on Patreon I usually post the video but I can't remember if, if Bria said I could use that so if it's not up there then she said no or I got lazy both are highly possible uh, I'm a little uh wound up because I think this I've tried to do this intro like 15 times and I fucked something up and then there was a lawnmower leaf blower and finally I just said you know what I talked to a lot of punk rock folk fuck it this is what it is <laughs> uh, this is what it is uh, this was a really fun conversation I talked to her in Madison she was in Madison Wisconsin I wasn't in Madison I wish I was but I'll tell you this if I went to Madison Wisconsin right now I'd probably be real tempted to have an icy cold Glarus beer, which sounds like a plug, but it's not. But I quit drinking. But it would be hard to be in Wisconsin or Chicago and not have an alcoholic beverage. So I guess I won't go there. Uh, that being said, I'm going to stop talking your ear off. Um, please, again, go to the show notes. You could, All things Bria are in the show notes. Buy them. Buy the records. Support music. Support people who play music. Uh, I guess that's it. Please enjoy this episode with Bria Selmina. When I go to Baltimore, no carpet on my floor. Where are you in the world? Uh, I'm in Madison, Wisconsin. Oh, Madison's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a pretty cute little town. I've been here a bunch, actually. They have that so. new Glarus uh, beer. They have that. Have you had that? 
I don't really drink beer, but I, I don't either anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> if you did, I was just trying to be helpful. <laughs> no, we we had like a really nice dinner last night um, at this place called uh, Sardine or something. Oh. I mean, the town's really cute. Like it's a, it's been like a nice, I don't know, um, like real city. Did you have a day off there? We had two days off actually. The, the end of this tour is a bit funny. Not to get too explicit, but my wife and I had sex for the first time in Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> Are you from Wisconsin? No, I'm from Chicago, but I was. we started dating long distance, even though she's from right. Chicago as well, and she was briefly going to school there for biotechnology. Okay. Wow, and you met in Madison. That's really We nice. met on Twitter to be... Uh, you met on Twitter. Isn't that weird? No, actually, it's not that weird. Yes. <laughs> she started following me, and then I saw her profile, and she like kept liking my stupid jokes and stuff, and right. I saw her picture, and I was like, hubba hubba. <laughs> if I could reduce my attraction to her to an episode of right. Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> she loves that. <laughs> Yeah, don't all women? I don't know. I'm not very smart. <laughs> but yeah, and we started messaging and then like we messaged and talked for like eight months before we met. So I couldn't fuck it up, which let me tell you this. I'm really good at fucking up relationships. <laughs> well, you didn't fuck up this one. Not yet. Not yet. Congrats. Um, anyway, so what you said it's a real city. Have you like not been in a lot of cities on this tour? That was probably like a rude thing to say about every other place we've been. But um, we, <laughs> uh, we, I mean, this tour, it's, it's been like very like Midwest oriented. Um, I'm Canadian, obviously. So like my geography or knowledge of the ge geography around this part of America is a bit like, you know, I'm, yeah. I get confused about whether I'm in Omaha or Iowa. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's America. It's all the fucking same anyway. It's, yeah. Um, <laughs> But I mean, like, I'm trying to like besides Chicago um, and like, I guess Salt Lake City, but we didn't really see much of the city. Um, it feels like being in Madison, it's just like the most kind of going on out of a lot of the places. A lot of the venues have been like, I mean, we played two venues that were on the side of the highway, essentially, which were really fucking cool. Like one was um, one was the what was a casino called? Do you remember? Casino? Yeah. The old, uh, where cowboys go sneak in. What's that? Oh, that was... Um... In, whatever. It's like it's essentially like a roadhouse casino club. That was like very cool. Um, and then the other one was a, the Bison Ranch. Oh, wow. That's... Yeah, right on the border of like Wyoming and uh, Colorado. So like, I, this is, that's all I mean. Like it, it's just nice to be kind of like, you know, you can walk around a bit and stuff and there's like lakes and shit. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fucking lakes there. There's, if, I don't know if you get the chance, there's a lot of great used record stores, but you probably don't want to lug records around on tour. I really have to like, um, I really have to be careful because I'm, I've, this morning I actually packed a box full of shit that I have to send home because my suitcase is just, just too big. There's too much stuff and I don't need half of it. So, and I'm, I'm going to Italy right after this tour. So I really didn't want to lug a lot of shit around. So I try to be careful like going into like record stores or bookstores 
thrift stores. But yeah, and that's a problem because thrift stores on in some of those cities are great because they're kind of untouched. Especially if you yeah. find the place where a lot of old people die, those are like the key <laughs> thrift. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> it's very true. That yeah. are the, the the rich people because like I went thrift shopping in San Francisco and I was like finding cashmere sweaters and I was like, oh, you rich fuckers just don't give yeah. a shit. <laughs> totally. Totally. Our, uh, our TM is like big into going into the bins, which I don't really like, I don't really do that, but he always gets like the craziest shit everywhere we go. So I have to be careful. Cause I, I do like accumulate so much, so many, so much clothes on tour records, like other people's merch. Like it's, it's silly. Yeah. Is it jarring after being to be out after like being locked down for so long and then now you're traveling? Is that going to be fucking weird? Um, I mean, it was kind of like the first couple shows, it was like, wow, okay, like, right, this is what we do. Um, it did take a little bit to, I guess, get our like sea legs back or whatever. Um, but it also feels very like natural. Like, it, you know, you settle into things and like you adjust and it's kind of like, it's been a really like happy, pleasant experience. So you kind of forget about like the, sh- all the shit of the past year. I also, um, I also traveled a little bit last fall during the pandemic. I was in Europe then. So like traveling for me during the pandemic, isn't like the scariest thing in the world. Was it, what brought you to Europe? Like work? Uh, no. Well, kind of actually. I, uh, last September I was, um, making a film with uh, a friend of mine in France. And then I decided just to stay in Italy for two, two and a half months. Yeah. Why wouldn't you stay where the food's the greatest on earth? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So what, I didn't um, know you made films or I somehow did not see this in my research what sort it's, of it's un, it's like a it's a short um silent film that i made with a friend of mine who um it's unreleased it's still kind of like being edited and stuff it's have, not really like widely known have you made films before no what what inspired you to make a movie well i just acted in oh. it he asked me to act in it. i didn't i didn't do anything else <laughs> <laughs> have you acted before no, not really. It, was no. it something you were ever interested in? For sure. I mean, I I used you know used to do like drama camp as a kid, and I I enjoy like performing a lot. So for me, I think that was just another aspect or another, of you know my performance side of my brain. Sorry, I'm like still <laughs> waking up a little bit. <laughs> it's all right. I just, it's interesting to me that a lot of musicians can go to being actors and be really good at it, but the flip around, usually not so good. I'm talking mm-hmm. to you, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> and I also saw that Ben Stiller has a band. A lot. I, didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I, mean, and, uh, I saw a show poster and I was like, holy fuck. Gary Sinise crazy. has a band too. And he's yeah. a shit fuck uh, Republican Trumper <laughs> <laughs> to articulate that well. <laughs> yeah, very, very nice. We, uh, we played the same 
stage as John Z. Riley once at this festival in Seattle, and he was really, really good. Yeah, he does. He like did musicals and stuff. He's like Johnny Musical Theater to begin right. with. Right. Well, he was playing like folk country music. How did you start working with Orville Peck? Which is like, it's, have you done it since day one? Kind of. Yeah. 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 We uh, we met in uh, in Canada. Um, and he needed a uh, backing band. And at the time, myself, Duncan, uh, well, we still have this band, the drummer, Chris, and the original bass player, Lucas Sabati, we all had a post-punk band called Friggs. It's still alive. but um, And we were like, we'll be your backing band. We were all friends. Um, so we played couple shows together and it was just like oh this is fun and different so then we just started doing it all the time (laughs) and (laughs) just like it just happened like you know the way his career is kind of like skyrocketed like we just were okay let's like do this it was fun and uh lucas it no longer plays with orville but um that's when kyle Connolly came in and he's now the bass player but it initially was just like Oh yeah, we can like play these chords. So, did were you there like like small venues, and now he's playing gigantic fucking play? How is that kind of crazy to go through that, or to all yeah, suddenly it's, be? It's absolutely crazy, but it's like it. It's really like rewarding. Like you really feel like I don't know. Like we've all been playing in bands forever, you know, and him him included, and um, to kind of like feel like all of that, you know shit that you do just like pays off in that way it's like really i don't know it's really special it's also just fucking crazy like it's just it's a crazy like before the pandemic we were on tour for like i don't know like almost two years straight i've never i had never done that before like before that we were doing like diy tours like three times a year two year like how many weeks of break did you get in that two week or two year period Uh, like it would be like you know three and a half weeks there and then like you would be on for like a month and a half and then like maybe two to three and a half weeks it's it was kind of like it worked like that like I don't remember like a very long stretch I can't remember but it's still I mean I've done road stuff and it gets where it's like I did that for like six months and I was just like I, 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 I was we were at each other's throats <laughs> oh yeah for sure for sure for sure but it's still you know it's yeah, fun you, but it's also it's, it's just fun. like yeah and it's I don't I came from a big family so I think that helped juggle the dynamic a bit did you come from a large family where you sort of had those dynamics in place no but I'm I mean I have I have one sibling um my parents are still together uh Duncan has pretty much the same family setup but my I'm half Italian so my my family's very loud <laughs> I grew up in like a very I know it sounds like really cliche but it's very true no I had an Italian girlfriend and she was I was always like why are you yelling at me and then we went home for Christmas to like her whole family uh-huh. and every I was like oh you just yelled this is your family dynamic no it's just it's weird it's true so I'm I'm kind of, I feel like that type of like chaos, you know, is something that I'm like used to. Did you have like traditional Italian grandmother with the stove in the basement type situation? That's- I, she's, she's still kicking. She's in Toronto. Does she make, do, so do you get like 
sauce and peppers and all that stuff? She's a bit older now, so she doesn't love to do that kind of thing anymore. And it's just her and she's just like, fucking, I'm tired. I don't know. (laughs) Which I like, which I totally respect, you know, like she stopped, she stopped doing tomatoes like a year or two ago because she had this back problem and we were all kind of like, no, but it's not like... Like, I would do the same thing. I'd be like, no, I'm old yeah. and I want to stop. You know, when my girlfriend broke up with me, I was just like, <laughs> one of the first thing I thought of is like, oh, fuck, no more sauce. It was, yeah. that was probably more devastating than <laughs> I have to find sex again. <laughs> wow. Sounds like a really special relationship. <laughs> she, she slept with every band in Chicago while I was doing shows at Second City. So, yeah, it was special. Yeah. Okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. <laughs> Uh, I noticed something, and I've never seen this when I Google searched a guest before. Uh, you have a LinkedIn page that says you work for Orville Peck. <laughs> oh my God, really? Yes. Are you sure? Hundred percent. I was. Maybe oh, you you didn't do it, but I was like totally. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, I'll see. Yeah, I was gonna say I'll see if I can find it, but I was. That's embarrassing. I just I've, I was like does does do musicians do this and get work like hey we need a guitarist let's go on LinkedIn. Oh no, I remember what this was. I uh, I was applying to jobs during the pandemic, <laughs> 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 uh, and <laughs> and my fucking my my employer was Orville Peck, so I was like, well, this is just what the did you. The T is here. Did you put Orville on as a reference on your on your? <laughs> I have, I, I have, I mean, not him, but his my management. You know, they're my reference letter. <laughs> wow, this is really embarrassing. <laughs> I, I, I didn't look at it too closely. I just was like, oh, I've never seen this before. <laughs> I wonder if Tom York has a. Uh, Probably not, because I don't think Tom York needed to look for work during the pandemic. Yeah, maybe he just got bored, though, during the pandemic, and he's like, I wonder what's going on at Home Depot. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Definitely not. I mean, Andy Kaufman Kaufman bust tables at a restaurant when he was on Taxi, so why not? He did? I didn't realize that. Yeah, he did, at uh, Jerry's Deli in the Valley. Right. It was like kind of an infamous thing. But, you know, he was also kind of crazy, so. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so how... Thanks for bringing that to my attention. I'm going to delete that later. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad I could. Uh-huh. Um, I was curious, though, like, what's inspired... I, well, I know what kind of inspired you doing the EP of Country Covers, because it was... You were, were you, you were, like, looking for sort of an emotional avenue for how you were feeling during the pandemic? Yeah, because I was pretty emotional. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty emotional during the pandemic. Um, It honestly was like something that, um, like during quarantine, I remember I was listening to a lot of Marianne Faithful and Linda Ronstadt in particular. Um, They do a lot of covers, and I was just kind of like, I don't know, thinking about that a lot and was really admiring that they were able to like do these covers, but they were so much their own songs. And I thought that was really cool. And we'd like explored covers um, with Orville Peck, obviously, and a little bit with Friggs, but it was never, I don't know, it was never something I like thought too much about. 
Um, and then I heard the song, Mistress Mary song, um, I Don't Want to Love You Now. And that very much resonated with my my emotional state at the time. And, uh, and I sent it to Duncan and I was like, we should, let's cover this. And then he, within like two days, he sent me like the backing track, like all the instruments done. Like it sounded amazing because he was living up at the farm at that point. Um, and then I think how organic that happened and how easy it felt to like do this kind of like, like musical collaboration through like, a correspondence I was like oh fuck let's just do a lot of covers let's just like and initially the idea was to like have like I would record vocals at home and we would send it to like other people to play on and it would kind of like come together like that but um then I just started going up there all the time and we just started working on it like that were you looking to do an album or this just like you were you going to do like an album of original stuff and then you this organically happened or was this just like this took over no no, it was like, we had just, you know, we had just come off of two years of touring. We had also just finished writing and recording a Frigg's record. So like, I mean, I was feeling a little bit like burnt out in terms of like my own creativity um, and being able to like write original stuff. So, but it wasn't like ever a conscious thing, like let's do an EP of covers before we do, before I get back into writing. Cause I, I, I write all the time, but like, Song was very good, (laughs) 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 but um, uh, and then we tried so many songs. Like deciding it was going to be an EP came like much later when it was like, okay, we have six good ones. That's an EP. Were there any songs that didn't make it that you kind of had an emotional attachment to, but for whatever reason they didn't make it onto the album? Yeah, we tried a a Daniel Johnson song. fuck what's it called um oh it's the one oh my god it's so embarrassing the it's, picture uh, uh, I, i'm the same way i do this with people in my family i'm like oh, what the, who the fuck are <laughs> something <laughs> lasts a long time that's what it's called and we tried that and i really love that song but um it just like wasn't working the way we wanted it to and all the other songs just came together so like well and like just you know naturally in a way where it was like at least the recording process like i know there was probably some mixing stuff that duncan really had to like play with to make sound <laughs> when we were recording it it was fun as hell and like we just you know it was like we're all hanging out at the farm like jamie who sings on the record who's duncan's partner um she, you can like hear in the background like making dinner like we you know, there was like chickens, like a lot of the background noise are, are like their chickens that they were raising in the, in the farmhouse. Like it was just like, it was so such like a special time during such like a shit time that I just feel like those recordings were able to like document a very like, I don't know, happy place for all of us at last summer. Did, I'm curious. Cause like when somebody approach, like how does one approach a cover? Do you like, try to find your own interpretation of it or do you try to find something with that they were something within what they were trying to express if that was that what did i articulate that well (laughs) no i think i think i I understand what you mean um i think like you know at least 
I felt like, okay, blah. Um, we didn't listen to the original while we were recording like too intensely. And I think that's, that's like really important. It's not like we were going back and like referencing all the time, maybe like for certain things, but I don't really remember that being like something we would focus on and like how we would kind of like approach, for example, like there's a, we cover a Walker Brothers song on the EP and that's not a country song by any means. I don't even think the rendition we did is country, but um, I just remember it was like, okay, let's try this now. And like, you know, I think Duncan was like, let's play it in open tuning on acoustics and just like see how that sounds. And then we did that and we liked it. And we're like, okay, like we, we tried not to like think about it too much. And it was like, okay, let's record the guitars, did that. And then we just like built from there. It wasn't like, I think we both didn't want to go into it with like too much, like, you know, uh, planning beforehand necessarily. Like Duncan is very like methodical and in a way where I feel like he's probably has these things like in the back of his mind. I don't work like that. I kind of like, I'm, I'm more just like um, whatever instinct I have at, at that very moment. So I think in that way we like, it works very well together because he knows that about me. I know that about him. Um, but ultimately I don't think we went in with like a grand plan for each song. It was just, let's see how this builds. If that doesn't work, we'll do something else. But it was always like, you know, it was very, our lifestyle up at that farm was like very chill. <laughs> like, you know, we just smoked pot and like recording. It was just very like that sounds like a pretty great bubble to be in during a totally fucking nightmarish time of the world exactly exactly was that hard to like end because i don't think i'd want to leave that yeah it was hard for that to end and like i left and uh duncan and jamie left the farm in february um it was it's it was definitely like a difficult ending to that period for all of us. I think a lot a lot has happened uh, for the three of us personally. That's like, and I think for everybody, like it seems like everybody had like major changes happen during the pandemic. Some were like difficult, or some were really like pleasant, or both, whatever. Um, so yeah, it was kind of like uh, bittersweet to see that gone but I think in in that way what makes country covers so important for us is that you know we have that timeline very well documented through the EP I have all this home footage that was like you see in the Green Rocky Road video that's all all the stuff from the farm is like that's from that those that summer we have like all those photographs from the artwork like you know and that's why I think it feels really important to us are you going to do more with the footage? With the home footage? Yeah. Are you, like, planning on a little documentary or something? No, no. I mean, like, what you see in the Green Rocky Road video, that's kind of, like, that's the best. That's the best I want people to see. Because <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's funny for us, and it's enjoyable for us to watch, but I don't think anybody else would get it, you know? Right. I didn't know if you were documenting it with a purpose or just for your own kicks no i mean i bought i bought this handy cam during the like during may of 2020 and i've i bring it everywhere with me now and like we've it's come in handy and i kind of like forgot how much i enjoy just like documenting things it's nice to have like a little film or like a little like video camera on tour you know just to like look back later and i don't know 
but for no real purpose. But I'm really hoping in like 20 years, VH1 is going to like pay me loads of money for like the Orville Peck footage. That's like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll never sell it. <laughs> or, you could, or you could blackmail them. Just find things to blackmail. Cause that's. Oh, I would never. <laughs> okay. I'll do it and I'll split the money with you. <laughs> Were you. Because I feel like some of the music on the EP is emotional. At least it triggers, it not triggers is the wrong word, but it like evokes emotion within me. And I've greatly enjoyed listening to it, by the way. Oh, thank you. Um, were you an emotional state that you sort of needed to find a channel for that prior to this recording? For sure. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was ending a five-year relationship. Um, and I think, you know, it's pretty obvious that most of the songs on country covers are like, they're sad heartbreak songs. And there's like an obvious, um, to me, there's like an obvious reason for that. Um, and I think it was very much a part of like me going through that process. And like, I don't know, like when I'm kind of like in, uh, I don't know trauma mode or like shit's kind of like hitting the fan. I like, I like, I throw myself into work in a way. And that's kind of what happened, especially this winter when we were like prepping everything and I was getting the zine together and the t-shirt and like going through all the artwork and we were finalizing all the mixes and making the videos. Like that's how I deal with that. So it was like, <laughs> this project has really documented a year of like my <laughs> process of like dealing with my shit. So <laughs> Did you come out on the other side of the pandemic and that album with any sort of, oh, cause it's been a real mind fucker. And I know a lot of people who've just, For like, sure. they're like, I'm non-binary. We're our, our marriage is open. Like I've just seen right. people, people I never thought would take those one eighties and you're like, okay, I guess. Right. Uh, and it's fascinating to me. Do you, I mean, do you think that's largely to do with the pandemic? Cause I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think like, I I have strived my entire life to never have like a real shitty nine to five job. So I've always been right. able to meander around my awful brain and poke at things. <laughs> but uh-huh. I think, I think a lot of people for the first time were able to sit and maybe think a little bit more than they usually do because they're sure, not like yeah. scrambling to their shitty cubicle. Totally. So maybe that I think, and maybe people saw some value more, what's more important in life of like, you know, we have a lot of people here like not returning to jobs and that they shouldn't because this country doesn't pay fucking anything and it's infuriating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people reevaluated what's important to them. I don't know. Did that answer your question? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I mean, I, I tend to agree. Like, I think that probably happened for a lot of people. I feel like, um, it's funny because I don't want to give like the pandemic like credit for like any sort of growth that I've had over the past year. Like, and I don't know why, like, obviously like, you know, it it has affected my life and it has like made things go in certain directions or whatever. But ultimately I think like whatever happened to me was probably going to happen regardless, whether it was like these instances or like, but any type of growth, I would, I like to think that it was going to happen um, because of where I was at in my life. Yeah. I feel probably all those things would have changed for people to begin with. I think it was just, I think it sped up the process for a lot of people. For sure. But I mean, I feel like 
I'm now in a, in the place that I want to be in my life. Like I, I was able focusing on this project was like really like, you know, it was really good for me. And it was like, I don't know. I enjoyed, I forgot how much I enjoyed like working, you know, for something that I feel very like, not even like passionate about it. It's not like that, it, but it was just, it was so like rewarding to just work on something that was like for myself and for Duncan and Jamie. And it was like this collective, like beautiful collaborative process. And we were just doing it for like purely because we like believed in it so much. And not that I haven't experienced that with other projects, but I think just all of, it was all, all I did partly also because I wasn't working, you know, and it was just nice to really focus like that. And I feel like because we were able to focus so much on it, like we're very proud of like how it turned out. Right. Was country music something that resonated with you a good, like prior, I know you played with Orville Peck, obviously Mm -hmm. country, but was there like a, has that always been something that's prevalent and spoken to you in your life? Yeah. I mean, I, for sure. I think for both Duncan and I, for sure. I like, I say I got into like country or like maybe like more folk music, like at the end of high school. Um, I, I played in a, like a folk band at the end of high school in Toronto. And like, we would, I mean, listening to like Gillian Welch, like changed my life when I was like 17. Prior to that, I was like very, I don't know, into like indie and like punk music. And like, that was kind of my, that's always been like my thing, but like hearing, like getting into like Bob Dylan really for the first time. And like Gillian Welch was like, like my mind just like, I was like, whoa, like melting, which is, but it's like, and, and that band, that folk band was like heavily inspired by heavily. I mean, just like, we just wanted to sound like Gillian Welch. Um, it was myself and this other girl. And, then we, I was in that band until I was like, we played around Canada and I was in that band until I was like 20, 21 maybe. Um, and that taught me how to like write country music and like write folk songs. And I think that's like, was a really valuable kind of, um, musical, I don't know, trajectory to like send me off into the rest of my twenties and everything else that I've done. But, uh, it's always resonated in this way of like being able to write, like write and understand like um, simple kind of like true songs in that way. If that makes any sense. It does. I know that was interesting. Cause I was thinking about like what, what within country would resonate with, cause it is, so is there like a big country f- thing in Canada? Cause I know, like, I don't mean to sound like a, American asshole, but it's such a distinctly American music in a lot of ways, but it seems to have obviously resonated in other parts of the world. Yeah. (laughs) Go figure. But I mean, I I don't like, I just, I don't know. It just, is it like what sort of parts of Canada does it? I'm not articulating this well at all. Okay. So what I mean, mean, like Canadian, Canadiana music if that's what you want to call it is like a lot of it is like derived from like certain country music or whatever, but like, um, Canadian like folk music, I think is, um, 
I mean, it depends where you are, but like, you know, there's this, there's lots of country musicians in like the, the prairies. It's a big country vibe there. Like Alberta, Saskatchewan, like I think his name's Coulter Wall. He's like a very big country artist right now. He's from Canada. East Coast country music's a little bit different because you have like a lot of um, uh, influence from like Ireland and England. So like that kind of like that folk like trajectory is like all there. Yeah, that's the, I guess that was what I was curious. No, I was just curious about that. It's like what traditional is more traditional Canadian music because it is like country does derive from the Irish sort of English folk and traditional Uh music. So I guess it really makes a lot of sense because you got a lot of Irish up there and stuff too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I think like it's a lot of, you know, a lot of countries like from like, you know, gospel and black music and that, that also resonated in you know, in the north, in the Great White North, <laughs> there's like it's. I mean, it's funny. I, like it is. There are like sonic differences for sure. I mean, and I think you can even hear that in like Canadian bands who are maybe not like country, but like um, I don't know. Like, do you know who the Tragically Hip are? Of course. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, I feel like a lot of Americans don't. Oh, but I, like, I, I, in the, I feel like you couldn't get away from them in the nineties. Really? I felt like that. Or maybe it's a Chicago thing, but I felt like they. Oh, were, maybe that's yeah, that's true. But I think like the tragically hip is like a good example of like this like you know Canadian rock folk like country kind of just like you know mashup, and that's like. And I don't like to be like, oh, the hip's like Canadian music. Cause like, I don't think they should be like the underlying definition of what Canadian music <laughs> is. Cause that's bullshit. But like, yeah, people like country music up here. That's going to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a, like the Canadian scene. I've had a ton of Canadians on my show in the last few months. And it's like, it seems like there's a fuck ton of great stuff coming out from, of there these days. Like it's like, mm-hmm. like a hotbed as they say. Yeah, we're we're all really talented, great people. I'm not arguing this. I've been to <laughs> I've been to Canada. I believe me. I would fucking live there in a heartbeat. <laughs> That's what everyone does. I know. Says. And my I have a friend who's uh, in Toronto, and she's like, it's the same place. It's the same exact place. Like, I mean, yeah. It, there's just, no like, there's no shortage of like corruption in Canada. So come on up. It's like all it's all good. Yeah, I just feel like maybe you have slightly better air. Oh yeah, <laughs> and you For have sure. you have anti-maskers, and my friend says there's there's a parade down our street like every week of anti-maskers, and some of them have Trump flags, which is just completely fucking confusing to me. That's so stupid. I mean, yes, but yeah, there's anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers, QAnon. We got it all. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried you guys didn't have QAnon, so that's. Good. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> You'll feel right at home. <laughs> uh, your bars aren't old, open late enough. Okay. Well, I go to Quebec. They're open until three. Oh, that's right. I've been to Quebec. Yeah. I don't drink yeah. anymore, so it's pointless. It was just a deal. Okay. So. <laughs> do you drink? Because you said you don't drink beer, but do you drink? I do drink, yeah. Is it? I drink wine and liquor. Do you get a little boozy each show or after each show? <laughs> it depends, I guess. I mean, we we like we always have wine and tequila on our rider. 
That would fuck me up so bad. No, it's energ- it's energizing. Oh no, I mean I did it. I spent a good decade loaded on stage. Just for gotcha. the Yeah. Just for the fun of it. Well, I mean it's free. What are you gonna do? Exactly. Do but and I I mean I take I, we all take our job like very seriously. Like No, I, I didn't think, think I would No, I, I know. I know. <laughs> So how did you go from, what brought you from, like, uh, your Gillian Welch music into sort of, like, Frigs? Uh, I got tired of, I wanted to play louder music. I don't know why I'm laughing. I don't know either. That's truthfully how I, you know, I still feel like that a lot. Um, I like playing, uh, I like playing fast and loud. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think it was just like you know it was something I was like had explored for a long time and I was like okay I did this like I want to try something else I do that like I still do that well you like I, I, yeah yeah was the, was it what was the punk that you were listening to in high school because and is that what inspired you to start playing guitar I started playing guitar when I was 13 14 and that's because I was obsessed with Brody Dow <laughs> with what with Brody Dow. I don't know what that is. I'm sorry. From the distillers. Oh, okay. That I do know. <laughs> yeah. I was like obsessed with her as like, like, I think I saw her for the first time when I was like right before my 13th birthday. And it just like completely like fucked me up. Like I would draw like pictures of her all over my bedroom wall and makeup. Like I was like, I just wanted to like her, I don't know her presence as like a woman who was like playing like this type of music and was, she was just so commanding. I was, and I was so insecure. Um, and so little, like I'm, I was, I'm short now, but I was like, (laughs) I was just, I was like, Holy fuck. Like that is how you like live, you know, through live your life with like feeling like that's how, what I want to do. I want to be that confident. I would love to be that confident one day. Um, yeah. So that, and she, she was like, maybe I want to learn to play guitar. So I started taking guitar lessons and my guitar teacher would try to like, be like, here's your book. Like we're going to go through. And I was like, no, no, no. Like just teach me how to play these songs. I think that happens a lot. And he was like, okay, like tried for a long time to get me to like, go through like notation and whatever. And I was like, fuck that. And so I just learned how to play like a couple of (laughs) songs. And then one day he sat down and he made me listen to his music and I never went back. Oh, what was his music like? I don't know. I think it was terrible. He was, it was weird. I felt at that point I was like, this is a, you're taking advantage of like, me like you because I'm like young and you're an adult and you're making me like pay you to listen to your music because you wanted me to like tell him what he thought I think it was just like some weird like it's adult like alternative rock or something oh that's really weird yeah I never went back yeah yeah, my drum teacher yelled at me as a kid, and I never went back. Yeah, because <laughs> it's but it's like it's usually just some frustrated dude who's not really should be teaching. At least that was my experience. I was just like, "What do you sure?" Like you just you just need money to get through yeah. whatever patch you're in. Because I've been that sure. guy. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but, I think, but I think like I wasn't like the best. I wasn't a good student. Like I wanted, I like 
you know, I wanted to learn what I wanted to learn. And I was like being a brat about it, you know? Yeah. I've never, I've never ever had music lessons since. Like I don't, I don't know music theory at all. And I've managed to like get by for this long playing music without knowing any of that. But there seems a lot of, that's not uncommon. Like a lot of no, the people. No, not at all. I don't even think Duke Ellington could read music if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> like I'm serious. I don't, like some of those great jazz dudes couldn't read a fucking yeah. thing and they, but they're. Totally. Maybe that's not what it's about. Maybe not. I mean, I, I don't know. I definitely don't. I think there's something like, I don't know, nice about that. I don't I, I enjoy it. It's not like, I think, I, I mean, <laughs> truthfully, I wish I was like in piano lessons. Like in hindsight, I'm like, fuck, I really wish that was like something that I wanted to do because that would be really useful now. But ultimately, I've, you know, I still enjoy what I do. I don't think I'm terrible at it because I don't know music theory. Yeah. No, John Dietrich from Deerhoof, who's a monster guitarist. He's like, I don't give a fuck. He's like, I just want yeah. to like make noises that express my emotions. He's like, I don't give a shit about anything else. And I was like, he's like, I might yeah. get in trouble for this, but that makes mm-hmm. total sense. It's like, you're trying to express yourself, not right. Express yourself. Yeah. Did, was that like, what were you like before that you discovered the distillers? Were you just sort of like searching for, like, were you like, <laughs> I don't think I've. You sound like my therapist. <laughs> oh, I am. You didn't know this? This has been an elaborate ruse. <laughs> what was I into? Okay. <laughs> trying to remember no i just remember like i like myself as a kid like before i heard music that resonated with me it was just sort of like this dicking around and sort of like i think i like this and then you know you hear i heard i saw your mommy and your mommy's dead and i was like what the fuck is going on in the world yeah um i mean and how does it relate to your mother (laughs) (laughs) I mean, God, you know, God bless my mother because she put up with like so much shit. But, <laughs> but, uh, I think like looking back, I think I've always been like very, way more attracted to like female performers and musicians. Um, like when I think about all of the people who had like impact on me musically as a kid or as a teenager, like the majority of them were women. And I think I was really searching for like, examples of like oh you can you can do this like you know before I was obsessed with Brody Dow I was like legitimately obsessed with Selena like I I remember seeing like the film as a kid because that was like a big deal obviously and and once I saw the film I remember like looking up like the real Selena on like my you know my family's like desktop computer like dial-up internet or whatever and I I was like completely obsessed with her and I like taught myself like little phrases of her like Spanish songs and like built a shrine like but I think it was it was like oh she's just like so commanding and like so like such an amazing singer and performer like this is what I like this is what I want to do I like I've been singing since I was like five years old in front of people so it was something that like um I knew I was like interested in and I think I was probably searching for like examples of how you can do that and I don't I grew like my parents aren't super musical like my family's nobody else in my family plays music so like 
I grew up listening to like a weird variety of things, like a lot of like Italian opera music or Italian pop music. Cause that's what my dad was listening to. My mom loved like Annie Lennox and Celine Dion. Um, and like the French kiss soundtrack was like, you know, <laughs> like when she played, when she cleaned, like I have like very vivid memories of that. Um, I'm trying to think of who's in think- it. Uh, is it Kevin Klein? No, it's Harry. Or no, is it? No, I can't remember. I can't remember. Anyways, that's but, an eclectic bunch of music to grow up to, though. Yeah, it was. It's weird, but I think in a lot of ways, it's like I don't hold myself to playing any one type of music. Like I enjoy, like you know, exploring things, and I listen to all types of music, and I feel like that's like partly because I grew up listening to like the weirdest array of shit and I enjoyed it all. Was there any, like those, was there anything when you picked these songs, like you were saying, like people that you resonated to was like, like Karen Dalton or anything like sort Uh of present sort of, you could connect back to that way you felt as a kid, like seeking people who were commanding. Was there any of that within these choices? For sure. And I think I'm, I'm just so like, I'm really attracted to voices. Like I'm a singer first and foremost. Like that's what I do. That's what I feel like the most confident doing. And like, that's how I like express myself the best. So like, I think people like Karen Dalton, Marianne Faithful, Lena Ronsett, whatever, like all of the people that we chose on this EP, like first and foremost, like I'm attracted to those like voices. Um, like that's what resonates with me the most when I listen to music, like the way people sing. Um, and I think I'm more attracted to female voices because I, you know, I mean, not exclusively, but I, I, I can resonate with that. Like I, I, I don't know. And I also just think like, there's so many male voices everywhere else. It's just nice to kind of like hone in on, the ladies or the people who uh, don't get hurt all the time. Yeah. My daughter gets mad if we play too much, uh, too much guy music. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. That's She's like, cool. I want to, I don't want to listen to guys. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, and I'm with men or like people who identify as men, like I'm attracted to like, and there's a certain type of like male singing voice that like really like, I really like, and I, it's, not, it's, it's harder to find with I don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was like your Karen Dalton cover just really is great. And like, it hits, hits me emotionally. Thank you. I I appreciate that. I don't know. Were you a big Karen Dalton? I just like, I discovered her a few years ago. I remember I saw, I think it was the transparent used a song of hers. I was like, here we go. Like, I just felt like, here comes a yeah. resurgence because people, and I was, not to brag, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think she had a major research. Like, I got really into her when I was a, when I was in my folk phase as a teenager. Um, and I think, I think that's when she, and so that, that would have been like 2007, 2008. Like, I feel like that's when like the folk revival really happened and like popular, like that's when like, I think like Fleet Foxes had their like big, boom and um anyways 
I, I've been like a fan of hers for a really long time. And I don't, I think I was just, I came across, I'd heard that song before, like many times, but that album that it's on like the 1966, I forget when that was released, but I, I felt like I hadn't either. I hadn't heard it in a really long time or I had never heard it. And I just kind of like was at my parents' house in Toronto and was trying to like, um, play more guitar and, uh, taught myself how to play that one. I was like, this is fun. Yeah. Her story is fucking horribly sad. depressing. <laughs> it's it's really, like, really sad. Um, do you feel like what you're going to do next is going to be influenced by this at all? Or are you going to go into that sort of direction? Like, do you know what you're going to do next? Or is that like the dumbest oh, question? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's not dumb. We, we've been like writing lots of original material. Um, Duncan and I, and, uh, I think we're always influenced by like whatever is happening around us and whatever we're listening to. But, uh, by no means, I think, are we, uh, we're, we're not making a country record. If that answers your question. Is it going to be different than, is it going to be Friggs or is it going to be something completely in? Bria is, Bria is Duncan and I, um, so that's a separate thing from Friggs. Friggs has like two unreleased records <laughs> that were just, we've like, I feel like we're sitting on like so much unreleased music. We've been like recording so much Bria stuff. Um, I have another project called God's mom. That's like an electronic music project. Like it's, and it's all unreleased that I kind of like love it. I feel like, like a chicken, like sitting on all of her eggs. You'll see. <laughs> Do you have plans like in the near future to release this stuff or is it gonna? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all the Bria stuff, um, we're, we're also like kind of like toying with the idea of doing like a country covers volume two. So it'll all kind of like start happening, I think in the new year. Oh, I thought I, Sorry. Is that was that the question? <laughs> yes. No. I th- I th- I, th- I thought there was going to be more to the sentence, so I was that was just my my fault. Okay. This is the <laughs> most I've giggled and laughed throughout an interview. I I, I don't know. Really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, it was fun. I hope it was fun yeah. for you. It was fun. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with The Wire. Please become a Patreon subscriber. If you like, also subscribe to the show on your iTunes or what have you not, and tell your friends about the show. That would mean a lot to me. As well as uh, go to the link tree in the show notes or themattdwire.com or Conversations with The Wire at the Instagram, and you could learn more about the show, buy merch, and all those great things. Thank you very much for listening.